Thank you for choosing to listen to another exciting teaching from Revive Church. Please join us at either of our two Sunday morning locations, 9 a.m. at Revive Bitterroot, 3909 Highway 93 in Stevensville, or 10 a.m. at 2811 Latimer in Missoula. We also have a 6 p.m. evening service at 130 East Broadway in downtown Missoula. All right, so in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 30, Stephen is given the Cliff Notes version of the story of Moses and God's rescuing the Israelites from Egypt. Forty years prior to this, Moses had killed an Israelite, and the Israelites saw him as an Egyptian because he had been raised in the palace. He'd been raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. He'd been taken care of by Pharaoh's daughter. They didn't see him as a fellow Israelite, but he was trying to bring justice to his people, but the Israelites rejected that help. Now, Moses then went off into the desert, and over the next 40 years, he got married. He had two kids. He bought a minivan. He took on a mortgage. (laughs) He gained a few pounds, probably, and he went bald, probably, because he was working for his father-in-law, Jethro, who was a priest of Midian. Now, the Midianites, they were descendants of Abraham, so they actually knew about the true one God, but they really, they worshipped a lot of different gods, uh, mainly Baal Peor, but, but... So Moses had probably kind of drifted from his roots. He was probably not worshiping the one true God at that point in time. Moses had lost himself in the desert. He was tending sheep. He was taking care of his family when something amazing happens. And let's look at, uh, read Stephen's account of that in Acts 7, starting in verse 30. It says, 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. (laughs) Sorry. I just thought, um, what's the black actor that has the deep voice? He should be reading this. Uh, That's how my mind works. Sorry. (laughs) Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So there are five things that I think God was trying to reveal to Moses, and as well as us through this event and through our own burning bush experience or when God speaks to us. The first thing is, is he's trying to reveal who he is. So Moses is tending sheep. He's tried to lose himself in the desert, virtually hiding from responsibility and from God, but God meets him right where Moses was at. That's the way it is with us as well. We can try to escape God's calling uh, for our lives by burying ourselves in work. We bury ourselves in a hobby or a vice, but God never stops pursuing us in love. For God to show himself in the desert... To Moses, it was an act of love. This was an act of love. This guy had killed somebody. He had left his roots. He was hiding in the desert, and God reveals to him um, in love. He wasn't living up to his potential, but God didn't berate him for shirking his responsibilities to his people. He didn't show up and call and 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 say, you know, Moses, you've done wrong. He shows up and calls his name. And shows, he shows up to talk to, himself, talk to him and to reveal himself to Moses. Psalms 32 verse 8 in the NIV says, I will instruct you and teach you 
in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Isn't that cool? God says in the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. That's really good. The Bible's full of verses and accounts where God spoke directly to someone. Jonah, Joseph, Solomon, there's Jacob, there's Peter, John, Paul. He spoke, he, they all heard the voice of God. And God's not changed since Bible times. A lot of times people think, well, God did that during Bible times. Well, he does it right now. Right now, he can speak to you. James 1.17 speaks about God being unchanging. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's a great word picture, shifting shadows, because shadows move. Shadows come and go. They're always moving. No matter how you're moving, they're moving. That, you know, the sun goes away and your shadow goes away. Sun comes out, it comes back. God doesn't do that. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He spoke in Bible times and he speaks now. The key is we just need to listen. <laughs> A lot of times we don't listen. It can be through an audible voice. It can be through a thought. It can be through a dream. God can speak to you through scriptures in the Bible or through someone you trust and you know is following Christ. But no matter how he speaks to you, one of the reasons he does is to reveal his love to you. I love how personal Amos chapter 4 verse 13 is. It says, He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord Almighty is his name. He reveals his thoughts to mankind. Isn't that cool? All we got to do is listen. The second thing that God revealed to Moses and wants to reveal to us, I think, is His holiness. Uh, when I was preparing this message, I read several Bible scholars state that this is the first time God referred to Himself as being holy. So when Moses approached, He said, Stop, you're on holy ground. Take off your sandals. Um, Psalms 99, verse 1 and through 3 reads, The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Our God is holy. Holy comes from the word meaning separated or cut off from sin. But our God, he's separate from sin, but it does not mean his holiness separates him from us. That's the important thing. A lot of times people look at God as being so holy that it separates us from him. But I really think that that his holiness actually draws us closer. See, Jesus died on the cross so that we can have a relationship with the Father. If we've accepted Jesus or our Lord and Savior, then we have the right to be called his children. We have the right to be in God's presence. It's because of God's holiness that we can be his children. His holiness made the ground holy. And as we draw closer to him, we become holy. Now, I know that's in theory. <laughs> but who will admit that at some point in life you felt the opposite? That the closer that you've understood God, the more, I guess, unholy you felt? Or the closer you get... I mean, I've been times where my Bible reading's been just incredible. There's times where it's dry. But there's times where it's just it feels like he's revealing himself more and more. And the more I learn the more I feel like I don't know. 
you know, and that, that, that it's like I fall so short. But in those times, if you'll just stop and listen, you're hearing him say, I love you. I love you. My holiness doesn't separate me from you. It draws you closer. I think that's how Samuel was feeling when he penned this in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. It says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Isn't that cool? But when God spoke to Moses and when he speaks to us, he's not trying to reveal our, un- our unholiness, but he's trying to reveal his holiness. He is showing us that no matter how difficult the mountain we are facing, he is bigger. No matter what chain has bound us, he can break it. No matter the valley we're walking through, he's right there with us. He's taking us through that valley. And his holiness can overcome anything and everything. The third thing that God wants to reveal to you is your assignment. God was revealing his assignment to Moses. When God speaks to you through the burning bush, through a dream, through someone you trust, through his word, or through the still small voice, he has a mission for you. Let's read a little more in the account of God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. We'll read from Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. We'll skip down to verse 9. It says, And now the cry of the Israelites had reached them, had reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God had an assignment for Moses, and this was his draft notice. He was trying to get his attention, and he did through a burning bush. I mean, if you looked over and saw this bush burning... I mean, obviously, in August, we'd be like, okay, yeah, never mind, you know, burn. But if you look over and you realize it's not being consumed, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Again, he speaks to Moses about the love for his people. He was revealing his love. He's seen their misery, and he wants to rescue them. So why doesn't he just do it? Why didn't he just rescue them? I think this is so important, if we'll understand this, that no matter... All throughout the Bible, it reveals how God works. God works through us. God works through men. God doesn't just step in. I've tried to think through the Bible, and, and, and you guys may know of other areas, but really God doesn't just step in. He uses man to accomplish what he's doing. The only time I can think that he really just stepped in was was maybe Paul on the road to Damascus where Paul's... You know, he just basically came down and said, Paul, you're, you know. But even, even he sent Jesus to work through. So he works through men uh, to accomplish. He wants to work through us. He wants to meet someone's need through us. He wants to fund somebody's ministry or mission trip through us. Um, you have an assignment. We just got to listen to his voice to reveal that assignment, what it is. If you're hiding in the desert, we need to stop and say, God, what are we supposed to be doing? I don't say that to condemn you. I say it to challenge you and to encourage you. God needs you. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for us. He wants us to experience our purpose in life. He wants us to understand 
that it's way more than just earning a few dollars so that we can take a vacation once a year and then repeat it the next year. Because that's kind of the, the thing that we get, we, the, the, the tread meal that we, wheel that we run on is, is we get wrapped up into our job. And that's really not necessarily our assignment. Now, it may be. God uses you to minister no matter where you're at. I mean, God needs people in every walk of life because there's people that you will contact that none of us will ever contact. There are people that you can show Jesus to that I'll never meet. And he's got you right there so you can be able to do that. We just have to listen. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is a cool thing. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's already prepared an assignment for us to do. We just need to do it. God has an assignment, but here's, I think, what's the really cool news, and it's our, my fourth point. It's that the fourth thing God wants to show you through Moses' Bernie Bush experience and through him talking directly to you is that when he gives you an assignment, he will do the work through you. That's what's cool. So God tells Moses that he wants him to do and let's just read what the rest of the story here, or more of the story, starting in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 3. It says, but, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I, I think all of us have to be honest and relate to, to Moses here. How many times have God said to do something and we've said, but God, I'm not qualified for that. And it could be something as simple as, hey, go talk to that person in the grocery store. And you start questioning yourself. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, what if they think I'm crazy? Or it can be an assignment like this, pastoring a church, that I said, what? There's no way. You know, and you guys might have heard this story, but in 2012, I felt like God said, you'd be a pastor of a church someday. And I went, no, uh-uh, I don't think so. Oh, I'm a video guy. I do videos. And I'm really good at it. I mean, that may sound egotistical, but I'm really good at what I do. I might not be so good at this. So, and I just, I, I questioned God. I was just like Moses. I was like, no, I don't think so. You know, I'm not eloquent at speech. I'm not, you know, it's just on and on. But you got it. I had to, I had to come to a realization. The rest of that story is it took me a while. It took me probably two or three months. To like, okay, say, I, I just had to say, all right, God, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I did have a caveat. I was like, I'm not going to make it happen. This is not going to be me trying to make this happen. You've got to make it happen. And I had no idea how it would happen. But that was 2012. 2018, we launched a church uh, six years later. And, and I didn't make it happen. It just, it, God made it happen. But I had to be willing to do it. I had to be willing and, and really, to, tell you, to be honest, the past year, year or so, I've had those times where I've kind of reverted back to that and said, God, really? Me? Isn't there somebody else? There's got to be somebody else that's better to handle this. But he can, can you just say, no, I will work through you. I will work through you. I don't have to do it on my own. God gives the assignment. He equips. He gives us the vision, and then he gives us the provision. We just need to be willing and open to his plan for our lives. See, if you have an idea and you think you can accomplish it on your own, it's 
probably not God's idea. It's really probably not God's idea. Now, it may be a good idea. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. But I'm saying it's probably not a God idea because God's plans are bigger than our abilities. His plan for this church is way bigger than what you can even think or imagine. You may really like our little church. I've heard a lot of people say that. I like our little church. I don't want to refer to this as our little church because God's got big plans for this church. God sees this church as a huge conduit of love to flow through this valley. God doesn't see the Wednesday night Bible study as just a couple of ladies getting together to learn a little bit more about him. No, God sees the women's Bible study as a spark to start a huge fire to sweep through this whole valley to bring revival, to bring change to this hurting, enslaved people. God sees what his assignment that he's given to you as completed. And, and he probably doesn't reveal that complete, completeness to us because it'd be overwhelming for us. Be like, well, how am I going to handle that? You know? We just have to take step at a time, just one step at a time. We don't have to do the work, though. God does the work through us. Moses hears God's plan, and he starts to crawfish on the deal. Oh, God, who am I to go to Pharaoh? But God immediately says, I will be with you. Let's read what he says in Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It goes on to tell them exactly what to do. But in chapter 4, verse 1, Moses excuses again and questions. And the question of God continues. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Can anyone relate? Again, we're just arguing with God. Are you sure? God says to go, um, and we just continue to question, did I actually hear from God? That's probably where I question. Was that me? Was that bad pizza? Was that God? You know, what, what's the deal here? What's, what's speaking to me? Moses continuing to question God's assignment, and God continues to patiently prove to Moses that he will do the work through him. He just needs to be obedient. Chapter 2, uh, verse 2, chapter 4, let's keep reading. It says, Then the Lord said to him, what is, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. I love it. Moses is real here. He's like, ah! <laughs> I can relate to that. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now here I'd be questioning God. No, I don't think so. You make it become a staff again. But again, Moses had to have faith in God, right? So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak When he took it out, the skin was leprous. That's scary, isn't it? It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first signs, which I would believe, I would probably pay attention if the staff became a snake and his his skin became leprous and not. But God gives him a third thing. It says, But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. 
the, lo- the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Even after these incredible signs of God, that God gives Moses, what does he do? He still questions God. I, I think it's, it, it's a testament that we can continue to question God and he doesn't give up on us. He really doesn't. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Story goes on with Moses questioning God and God proving to Moses that he will be with him and that he will help him accomplish his assignment. But in verse 13, Moses has the gall to say, Lord, not me. It says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. And that brings me to my fifth point. God will work through you even in your doubt. Even in your doubt. Verse 14 says, the Lord, Lord's anger burned against Moses. Now that's scary. I don't want the Lord's anger burning against me. But you know what? He didn't take him out. God may be, God is not a vindictive God. God is not, I mean, Moses questioned him over and over and over again. And you know, and God got a little ticked off. But God didn't, you're done. God still used Moses. He still worked through him. And he still wants to work through us. He still wants to work through us. But instead of giving up and moving on, God graciously says that he will use Aaron, Moses' brother, to help him speak to Pharaoh. See, God doesn't give up on us if we doubt. God doesn't look at our lack of faith and move on to the next person. God's grace covers that. Even one of the Jesus' closest friends, was a doubter. Thomas said that he wouldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead unless he put his fingers in the holes in his hands. I know that each of us have times that we doubt. We question our ability to perform an assignment that God has given us. I know I have. But I'm telling you, God God doesn't give up on you. And God works through that doubt. And God will do the work through you. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I think that's important. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If he calls you to do an assignment, he will equip you for it. If he gives you a vision and you go, God, how would I ever pay for that? He will bring the provision. Provision. He will bring it. Our Heavenly Father made you. He understands better than anyone your insecurities, your weaknesses, your propensities to fail but he still has faith in his ability to accomplish the assignment he has for you, through you. One other thing here that's so important for us to grasp, many of us think that our past sins or our past failures in our lives preclude us from being used by God, but that is not true. you got to understand, Moses was a murderer here. He killed an Egyptian out of anger. There's no justifying what he did. There really isn't. Today we'd write Moses off. If we had a murderer walk in our church, most of us would write him off. Oh, it's okay for you to be here, but can God ever use you? Probably not. That's wrong. That's wrong. God, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what Satan is is speaking in your ear and trying trying to degrade you, trying to say that you'll never be used because you might have. It doesn't matter. You know, you might have, have done something. You might have had an abortion or you might, have, uh, you might be divorced. It doesn't matter. God will still use you. It's the church that, that has had bad religion and has written people off. Amen. God's grace covers 
our past. And he still has an assignment for you. And he still wants to use you. And he still wants to work through you. That's the most important thing. All you need to do is be willing to be used by him to bring his love to a dying world. So I encourage you as the band comes back up, I encourage you this week to do two things. First of all, we need to stop and listen for God's voice. Ask him what assignment he has for you and then stop talking. I'm really bad at that. Praying for me a lot of times is one-way communication because I don't shut up enough. I know, Emmett, shut up is a bad word. But we need to be quiet, don't we, Emmett? (laughs) It's probably the toughest thing for us to do as humans. We probably, why we don't hear as much as we should from God, because we can't stop and be quiet. Remember, God's waiting to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal his character to you. He wants to reveal who he is. He wants to show you his holiness. And through revealing his holiness, he wants to draw us closer to him. When God speaks to us, he reveals our assignment, our purpose in life. But we don't have to do it alone. That's the good news. God will work through us. He will give us the abilities and the strength to accomplish that assignment. And through our doubt and unbelief, he will still work through us. The second thing I need to encourage you to do this week is to say yes. When God shows up and he speaks to you, simply say yes. Don't follow Moses' example. Don't follow what I've done. Don't follow my example. Don't question God, but just say, God, yes, I'll do it. And the, way, the confidence that we can have when we say that is understanding that he will do the work through us. That it's, not us that, that it's not us that has to do it. That's the important thing. Moses kept looking at himself. And how am I going to do it, God? How am I going to do that? I'm not eloquent in speech. I, I don't know how to, to win Pharaoh over. But God kept telling him, you don't have to do it. You just have to go. And if anybody questions, I'll do the miracles to make them understand that I am who I am. That I am God and I'm working through you. Just be a willing vessel to accomplish God's plans. And God will accomplish them through you. So I just, I just encourage you to look at Moses' life and look at this burning bush experience and realize that he probably did everything wrong. And you know, If we were going to write a book on listening to God, he probably did it all wrong. But God still used him. And used him in a mighty way. A mighty, mighty way. And he can use you in a mighty, mighty way. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year.